0: Hey
1: listeners, this is Neil Ludevic and Amir Jandali. Welcome to Leave Looking Up, where we have uplifting conversations about the state of the world with our heroes, with the intention to demystify, orient, and leave you, our
2: listeners, inspired. For this episode, we sat down with Nate and Hilla, otherwise known as Nathanology and Hilla the Killer, whose voices in the world of sustainability, education, sexual freedom, and activism have garnered the millions of likes and views on their socials like TikTok and Instagram, hundreds of thousands of fans across the globe, coverage from outlets like the BBC, Billboard, Time Out, and New York One, and performances at internationally acclaimed venues like the House of Yes in Brooklyn. In today's episode,
1: we learn about the importance of ecological consciousness, how our upbringing and our surroundings can inform our aspirations, affirmation practices in the history of meditation, and
2: that everything, from plastic to humans, has a place in this world. Thank you for joining us today. And now, without further ado, let's start this episode. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did, and leave afterwards looking up. We are here at Pirate Studios in Gowanus, yeah. in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. This is a little in-person group hang that we got here. Yeah. And this is not our first group hang.
3: No, no. And we always wear headphones,
2: just, you know, even if we're not recording. Even when we're not recording. Mm-hmm. Do you all usually—I mean, you got, do you ever get into the studio to record your work?
0: Like, uh— You do a
2: lot of stuff with your cell phones and that, but, like, how often are you guys in
3: the studio to record your work?
0: Well, we have some home studios—
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we record, yeah, the, the line between home and studio is pretty blurry for yeah. both of us.
0: So. <laughs> Definitely.
3: We're in room. Is, You're in the studio. <laughs> the space is intentional. Pretty but, much. Yeah, yeah. But we don't usually go into studios to record. I don't, no. I wouldn't want, I don't want to do that. It's, you'd have less control, you know what I mean? Like, mm. we like to record ourselves, so. Yeah.
0: True. I, I like know. to record
2: myself. We're setting ourselves up here because our guests record themselves often and they record themselves, they record each other, and signal boost positive messages about the Earth in various wonderful dynamic ways. We first came into contact years ago when Neil and I were co-producing an event called the Marketplace of the Future during Climate Week. And I had just learned about you guys because of your plastic man.
3: I am Plastic Man. Shape it like the hand out of the clay except that after having shaped it that hand throws that shit away but it can't throw that shit away though because the thing that it made is immortal and it will
0: yeah so I Am Plastic Man was our first ecological song that we did together since we incorporated and became a band, a duo and we had Akil Apollo Davis, he was our featured artist on the track and we kind of all, the three of us were sitting around like thinking like what is a song that we could all collaborate on and Plastic was one of the first things that we thought would be a cool topic to tackle because people need to know about plastic and its impact on our planet
3: yeah that really was where it broke in because mm-hmm. you had been sort of interested in and beginning to practice zero waste i think around that time and yeah we were we'd known each other for a little bit but we were still like early on in our, it's like our in first
0: our, year of knowing each other yeah
3: exactly early on in our collaboration and yeah, got together and was like, what do you want to make a song about? And the interests just aligned.
0: Yes. But
3: the theme of the piece is that, you know, we can't think of plastic as a villain. Ultimately, we have to sort of, you know, yeah. think of it as something that wants to be someplace else. Or maybe doesn't want to be created in the first place. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Frankenstein, a tragic figure, you know. Wow. Yeah. What a reframe. What a reframe
0: right there, yeah. <laughs> it's such a powerful substance.
3: You should have a reframe button for your po- Like, reframe. 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 Reframe just walking around (laughs) everywhere in the middle of a conversation (laughs) or like
1: ordering lunch like no reframe (laughs) oh that burger just turned into a salad what reframe (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well I was gonna say let's let's start even way back like that's giving a little bit of a context for listeners like who you are yeah and how did you get to Gowanus
3: <laughs>
1: no. All right, So but, yeah, uh, Stark, what's 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 the picture like i, I know imagine. we know nate and Hilla, you know the adults the humans individuals band collective passionate smart folks but how did you guys get individually here
0: um well okay guys for me i was i was born here in new york city and i grew up in soho which is in lower manhattan And I like to tell people often that there was not a tree on my block, not a single tree, and not a lot of green spaces around either. My parents weren't really, like, nature people. They didn't take me out to the Catskills or even to Central Park or anywhere. We didn't have houseplants. So, like, for me, growing up, it was just, you know, being in the city and just trying to survive the concrete jungle out here.
1: When Hilla says she wraps this planet Earth, it's not a figure of speech. She means it literally. Hilla created, and wears, a costume of a planet Earth that she made with one of her friends, Joyful Jam, also known as Love Living Art. It's an enormous round blue globe made from an inflatable PVC balloon with green patches representing the different continents. Hilla's head barely sticks out, but her arms and legs poke through. It's pretty incredible.
2: In the screaming you heard, it's from the crowd during a House of Yes performance, when Hilla, as planet Earth, descends from the ceiling, swinging on a silk rope, until she lands on stage. Except instead of landing gracefully, she falls off the stage as soon as she steps on it. The whole thing was caught in a video and went viral, probably because throughout it all, she didn't miss a beat, saying, the planet might fall, but the planet will always get back up. So how did she go from a child growing up in the concrete jungle to an environmental rapper?
0: It's been a process. A lot of people ask me, like, what was the moment that changed you? And I think there was just a lot of different moments throughout my life that gave me a little taste of what nature is and what trees are and Mm. what it means to be outside and dwell with the earth. So, yeah, it's just like been a slow growing process.
3: It is definitely a process. My, My origin is sort of the opposite of that in a way. I come from Washington State. From a little town north of Seattle, and it just like surrounded in trees, like I live, I, I grew up like playing around in the woods, and had a very green origin. It, like it looked like Twin Peaks, you know what I mean? Like it really did. Not quite as murder laden, but you know, still very <laughs> mysterious. And uh, place, and, yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Twin wonderful. Peaks minus the murder, just all of the fun, <laughs> wholesome. And so, yeah, and I came to New York probably like almost a decade ago, and met Hilla like six years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm.
1: So before Nate and Hilla joined together to become a rapping duo, both were solo artists. Hilla doing her thing as Planet Earth, and Nate rapping about philosophy as Nathanology.
3: I guess over the course of that past half decade knowing Hilla and the work that we were doing together and sort of the ideological journey that we went on together really brought me to a state of ecological consciousness that I don't think I was in before. You know, I had a nostalgia for green and for growth and for life of that kind that I missed when I was in the city but it wasn't the center of my sort of quest and now it's really become the center
1: and so bring us into today where is your mental space now because you guys have done a lot about sustainability but I know there's also philosophy and education and other things so talk about like where individually you guys are
3: Yeah, we've been collaborating for the past half decade or so as Nate and Hilla and right now we're focused in a very centered way each of us on our sort of solo journeys which we were doing already before we met one another so it's all sort of weaving back to the same emphasis that we had and I think we'll continue to collaborate in the future but right now we're we're on our sort of solo missions and I'll let Hilla talk about what hers involves, but mine has kind of gravitated to what I was doing in the first place, which is more operating in more abstract sphere of exploring philosophical topics, so there's still an ecological application to that, but what I'm really interested in, if I had to list the things, is getting people excited about philosophy in general, getting people excited about redefining education as an elective and extra-institutional practice. I mean, the origins of philosophical thought in the Western tradition was artistic, that the the poet and the philosopher were originally the same among the earliest philosophers. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really interested in bringing back that sort of model of, you know, the bard who transmits cultural knowledge, historical knowledge, and philosophical knowledge and speculative thought about what is the nature of things through song. Because then when you activate people that way, it makes it so there's a pipeline from that act of thought and that act of art into doing something about it. All right, class, we're going to get started. Everyone, please don't take your seats, close your textbook, stand up, and dance to this song. What do you think of when I use the word school? You might shrug your shoulders and be like, school it's an evil but imperfect institutional tool to make the people on the planet not be absolute fools. Or you might have the view that it's only half true what they teach you, and that It's inspiring the whole circuit, you know what I mean? And I think there was a lot of that in the stuff that we were collaborating on as well. And now I've sort of, like, you know, really zeroed in on that for my current work.
2: Well, I'm hearing this through line, and my hand was kind of gesturing of what my words were about to ask. Was was that a through line you've been sensing this whole time, like— Connecting. Yeah, I've
3: long been fascinated with that, because I'm also an academic, or at least by training, and I was a classicist, an a classicist, so I studied ancient Greco-Roman culture, and specifically Greek philosophy was my main area of interest, and so I've just always mm. been interested in this, like the oral tradition, the function of poetry as the main way of transmitting cultural information, as the original source, mm. and now it's bifurcated, we've got the arts over here, mm-hmm. we've got activism in its own little corner, and sometimes it uses art, and then we've got The educational sphere, the academic sphere, just, you know, all by its lonesome. And they're not connected. They're supposed to be a circuit. Or really, they're supposed to be all just one breath, you know. Mm -hmm. When I say supposed to, I mean originally were. And I think that's a unity I'm interested in reintegrating. That's beautiful. But, But Hilla.
0: Yeah, so I've been rapping as Planet Earth about Planet Earth. And what I've been kind of focusing on is just getting the educational part of earth science, how food grows, different applications for solutions, permaculture, how to build soil, compost, how to purify water, just kind of thinking about all the different ways to green our world and to create abundance for people. And, you know, think rethink our life. I'm like constantly imagining how to green the city. What would the city have looked like if we didn't cover it in concrete? And how do we sort of imagine restoring that? So that's really the focus of my work now. And it's all through really fun songs and verses. ABCs of mushrooms. A. Agaricus bisporus. Most common on the shelf Known as white button They got three gills Fried up with diced onions White and brown oh, They start oh, some tomato, teeny Let oh. it grow Tomato Oh, oh, tomato. tomato Tomato, tomato I love them a lot though Fresh picked off the vine Like I just won the lotto For salsa with nachos I'll have the gazpacho and flavors the game Then tomatoes the motto I have a whole series Of mushroom wraps About different kinds of mushrooms I They're a great series.
1: I love them They really are I <laughs> yes. definitely have sent those To a few folks
0: ABC's of mushrooms <laughs> And then I have the veggie wrap which are all like one minute raps about different vegetables. So, yeah, that's really been the focus. I just really want everybody to have fun learning about and loving the earth. Mm-hmm.
1: For each of you guys, well, I have, I have two questions I'm thinking of. The first is you go by Halo the Killer
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you go by Nathanology.
3: Yeah, right now that's sort of what I've been rocking. Na-
1: was there a genesis to those names?
0: Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, Hila the Killer was birthed in summer camp.
1: Yeah, all great names. All are great
0: names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Gabison out of nowhere was just like Hilla the Killer, oh, yeah. the thriller in Manila. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I guess that's me now. And it really did stick. And then mm. I kind of wrote my first rap song in college and was like, I'm Hilla the Killer. And that was my persona. So mm. it's been that way for a long time.
2: Hell yeah.
3: <laughs> mm. Nathanology, yeah, that's, well, that's the name of my YouTube channel, and then it became sort of my handle and stuff like that. It's not officially my artist name yet, although I guess I'm considering making it be that. I've been really bristling at this whole problem for a while, because I've been struggling to land on, like, how I want to present myself, specifically as an artist, precisely because... I'm realizing that I'm tired of like the self-branding gesture that our culture is obsessed with. We're all obsessed with sort of creating like, what is the official mask of self that I am presenting to the world and becomes this secondary identity that we put all this stock in. It's like a self-commodification. The very notion of making a brand. I mean, think about where that word comes from. Yeah, branding it. Yeah, exactly. On a cow right, or true. on a human being, you mm-hmm, know what mm-hmm, I mean? A mm-hmm. symbol, and then we're doing that to ourselves. But yeah, Nathanology is what I go by often. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a bad name. I mean, logy is like the study of the logos. So it's like the studies of Nathan, both in the sense of the studies mm-hmm. of myself that I present to the world and my studies of the world that I present, you know what I mean, personally. So, yeah. 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 Well,
1: I, I mean, you're making me think. I love that answer.
3: That was a yeah. per- perfect You <laughs> answer. Super <laughs> on brand. <laughs> oh,
1: wow. oh, very on brand. Oh boy. oh, boy. The other question that I had is something that we often like to ask is, was these central motivating topics for each of you? Was there a, a heartbreak in your history? And what is the phrase that you always say? Heartbreak leads to breakthrough. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, was there a heartbreak for each of you that kind of spurned this journey, mm-hmm. this messaging, this ideal? Is that had your paths cross and also diverge and shift and change?
0: I was on on the way here. I was thinking about one of the heartbreaks that I felt when I learned that New York City, the island of Manhattan, used to be covered in trees. And there was a pond that started in the East River and went down to Wall Street called Collect Pond, a freshwater pond. And that Manhattan is actually you know, comes from Manahata, which means many hills. And, you know, with the Lenape people who like lived on this island, I just never learned that in school growing up. I kind of learned this back in adulthood. And so to just imagine my, my like, island that I grew up on actually being an island and not just something covered in concrete and skyscrapers. And I don't know, it just felt like this loss that I never could ever even imagine what it was like before. But yeah, I guess I think that kind of counts as a heartbreak. The first time that I ever sprouted seeds and watched them grow was, I think, when I was like 27.
1: Wow, <laughs> wow okay. That's like a school project that a
2: lot of times have. It's like, hey, like grow, your-, but not until 27. Well, so up until the the sprouting moment, mm-hmm. you were raising awareness about plastic weight before that. Mm-hmm. And then w- where did that come from? Was that... Also something that was spawned from your childhood of just realizing, wow, there's a big disconnect here. It sounds like that experience walking around Soho was kind of the birth of things. What's that through line for you? I
0: guess it kind of was Burning Man. I went to Burning Man and I just really thought it was a really cool thing.
2: Burning Man is an annual week-long arts festival dedicated to anti-consumerism, self-expression and self-reliance. It takes place the last week of August in Nevada's Black Rock Desert, housing nearly 80 Thousand attendees for a week in its aptly named Black Rock City. Perhaps
1: what makes this festival most unique is that all of the arts and events are put on by its attendees. Thousands of workshops, classes, sculptures, non traditional performances by artists from around the world, and art cars, which are vehicles decorated to look like everything from animals to pirate ships, happen. The festival most notably ends with the burning of a giant wooden effigy in the form of a
2: man. One of the concepts Burning Man has created is called MOOP. It stands for matter out of place and refers to any materials not of the land. Basically, trash. At the end of the festival, participants are asked to pick up all MOOP in sight. This philosophy is actually a core Burning Man principle known as leave no trace.
0: It was mostly about the the trash thing, right? So the whole Leave No Trace concept, the fact that people started screaming moop every time something fell off their clothes or whatever there was no trash bins, people were decorating porta potties. I was shocked, right? Coming from New York City, which is so like full of trash and so normalized. We grew up in the city and we were taught to completely ignore the trash and just like we're so desensitized to it. So going to an environment that like kind of felt like New York in a way with like the community and the party and the people, but then to see how everyone was carrying around a cup and how everyone was aware of the trash and the I just it totally changed my mind about stuff. So when I came back to New York, and I had all the packaging, you know, from the stuff that I bought for Burning Man, kind of waiting for me in my apartment, I was like, oh, like there's no difference between Burning Man and New York City except for me being aware of the trash.
2: I love that. It's a really beautiful principle. When we got back from 2018, I just I was like, Neil, dude, it feels like we're still there, but we're just way farther away. Yeah. Right.
1: And so what about your genesis?
3: Uh, I was working on my dissertation as a dissertation on, it was a philosophy dissertation. It was beginning to be the first rumblings of my ecological thinking, and it happened to align with when getting to know Hilla, and she was on the zero waste tip, and then I was sort of siphoning off that practice. But my dissertation was on this guy, Alfred North Whitehead, who's a philosopher from the mid-20th century, and specifically his use of Plato. And he's a philosopher who went back to Plato specifically to recover this notion of what we now call panpsychism, the notion that... Everything is alive or imbued with some sort of sentience. What we call consciousness is just a highly specified and complex form of a subjectivity or a feeling that exists in all of matter. Therefore, the universe is a living organism. It's one living thing. And I was getting really interested for that reason in... The effect that that has on our ability to participate in being an activist about it or being a polluter or whatever. Because the word, for instance, the word environment, I think, is not my favorite word. I don't like to say I'm an environmentalist or even say the word environment, you know, too casually because it the, the vibe it gives is the environment is something that surrounds you. It's something that's you're walking through it and it's separate from you. You know, we're talking about moop. It's one of my favorite phrases, even though I've never been to Burning Man, but I'm happy to have received it from afar, because it's a beautiful phrase, it's a very hopeful phrase. If there's such a thing as moop, there must be also such a thing as meep, matter in its place. And so then it's not a matter of, of denigrating or hating or vituperating any kind of matter, even the plastic water bottle. It wants to be somewhere, and it's not, you know what I mean, and it's not on the streets of New York City about to blow into the ocean or like end up on the beaches of Staten Island. It's not where it wants to be, really. We have to go deeper and start to think of matter, even ourselves, as constructed, from material relations and and the outside world is constructed from material relations, and then if we begin to think of all of that stuff as literally having a subjectivity in it, there's a breathing livingness, even to quote-unquote inorganic matter, it just makes the whole thing way more approachable, I think, to try and be involved in it. Because, first of all, you can't not be involved in it, and then it's a choice of how you want to be involved, rather than it being this choice of have a hobby which is being an environmentalist.
1: I was thinking, as you're saying, by virtue of it existing, which is essentially what you're saying, that it has a place in, in the same way that you're right where you're supposed to be. And I, th- I think that is a very cool way to start looking at things that if it exists, it has a purpose, it has a reason, if not to illustrate that some things have a purpose and some things don't have a purpose, which is a purpose in itself. Right. It's it's a very cool way because it's often a problem when you're starting to create those environments, those spaces that are without human interaction, kind of removing us. And I, I love it. It's clear you guys do a lot in terms of spreading messages, positivity. You produce tons of content, video. You do all these different things. And it seems like your brains are just always going, always running. Do you? Have vegetable moments, and I choose that term vegetable very. <laughs> I
0: was like, what you mean like cucumber, but like
1: our <laughs> fruit. <laughs> before you get into these moments where we're talking about all the doing, is there non doing that's happening? And what is that you know, existence versus non existence?
3: Yeah. Is there a space for that? What does that look like for you? How do you guys? Handle that.
0: I watch a lot of Law and Order.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> on those mysteries. Hey, you mentioned on the way over that you'd gone from SVU to the original. Yeah, role. I went to the I original. I was actually <laughs> happy to hear that. It's like you're going back to the, you know. I
0: watched all of SVU, <laughs> and now I'm going back to the to the origin. I <laughs> do
3: also sometimes, you know, vegetate. In a, and sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not good at all. I have obsessive tendencies, and so when I begin to obsess over a certain thought, it grinds my whole uh, process to a halt. And then I, you know, just sort of lie in bed and like, you know, be sad sometimes, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah, just sitting with it. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, but not constructively, like hiding from the world, various forms of hiding, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anything that helps yeah. you
1: guys or helps you or kind of get out of that <clears throat> funk and that space? How do you get through it? Actual vegetables.
0: Mm, always. Wow, that's cool. I love vegetables. Yeah, I like to go outside, going outside on a walk. Or on a run, going to the park, getting on some monkey bars, getting upside down, Mm. usually helps me a lot.
3: I guess when I'm hiding constructively, I read, and reading is good. So you have a habit of like, I'm feeling shitty right now. I'm going to read my book. Like, that's pretty good, actually. You know what I mean? And treat it as an escape. Be like, you know.
2: And choose it. uh, But yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: That's a good place to hide. Much better place to hide than like I'm going to run away into like a show that I know is entertaining but not not. Uplifting, you know, in proportion to its engrossment. You know. Yeah,
0: mm. yeah. But I think being active physically is really important for me,
1: mm.
0: and uh, drinking water and meditating. What <laughs> kind of meditation? Transcendental. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, anything can be a meditation, really. You know, it's just about clearing your mind and letting yourself be, trusting the universe that you're safe. If I'm struggling, I'm like, okay, well, I'm safe right now. I'm okay. So. I can just be okay, but it's hard when you're in the mental loop of feeling panicked or anxious like i have a lot of anxiety sometimes and just getting to that place of being like oh i should meditate or i should relax or i'm okay is really difficult sometimes so that advice is if you can bring yourself to that mental state to relax then cool but obviously that's the that's the challenge in the first place
1: one of my favorite books i had to read it during college is called pieces every step the intro is by the dalai lama and he talks about ways that you can almost trick yourself Mm. into feeling better And, and he tells you to take any ordinary object That you have, it could be a napkin, it could be a leaf, it could be a piece of paper, whatever it might be And think of your happiest memory Something that you would positively glow just thinking about it And attach that memory to that object, to that piece of paper So that whenever you look at that piece of paper Hmm. That's how you think, that's how you feel And hang that so it's the first thing you see in the morning So you wake up and it's like right in front of your bed And that's how you can start your day it's these little things that help guide you, especially for those that sometimes be so entrenched in it that you kind of forget how to get there. You need a little trail of breadcrumbs.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful idea. I like, love you know, like A magical like, jewel that, like oh, contains the got, light you're of like, something. you know, what you care about. Oh,
0: and affirmations, mm. I think, are really, really helpful. Like, over time, it's like you're training your brain to yep. access those kinds of thoughts faster. So when you're feeling down or doubtful or insecure, it's like, oh, wait, no, I actually know what to think about myself because Mm -hmm. I have all these affirmations. Mm -hmm. Even if it feels fake in the beginning, if you do that over and over and over again every day, you're just training your brain to have those thoughts.
3: Yeah. Hilla got me doing an affirmation journal uh, a while ago, and I've continued Mm -hmm. to do it. And it's kind of evolved. It evolved in a fruitful way. One, it became a part of my sort of ritual and meditation practice, and then I would write in this journal. And it began like something very personal, but it has morphed specifically in reference to, again, like sort of drawing on stuff from the ancient world. In in the Hellenistic period, there's this, this thing called menemata They're like notebooks, essentially. It was very common. It's early notebook practice because literacy was still in its infancy. So, But some people were literate and they were trained to write. But they weren't trained to make a distinction between the rhetorical difference of writing for others versus writing for themselves. So they wrote to themselves, but with the precision as though they were writing to somebody else, which makes it so you're yeah. really calling yourself to write for the whole world. The most famous record of these is Marcus Aurelius's Meditations, which is this beloved book that people still read, this Roman emperor who was also a Stoic. He didn't call the Meditations, though he just called it to himself. They're literally notes to himself. So we have the records of this person who is writing in these beautiful, complete thoughts, but they were for him, but he was writing as though it was legible by the entire world.
0: That's so interesting, because my affirmation practice started as an Instagram story, (laughs) Practice.
3: <laughs> which is a and that's, that's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a connected point to this sure. that I've thought about a yeah, lot is like, I just, yeah, was... In what ways social media for all its foibles and all its egoism Nonetheless does open a space mm-hmm. in which we can actually be public about our notes to self Beautiful. in a way That's actually very anciently precedented and very beneficial and that really strikes to the heart of what it is to address yourself I'm curious. What is your vision
1: now? for yourself in the future And how has that changed?
0: Wow. Mm. Well, yeah, I think definitely I envision a future where I have more routines and more organized structures in my life because there's just a lot of content and ideas that I want to share and a lot of songs I want to share. Making more songs, making learning more, like really just Mm. being like a, a source of information and entertainment surrounding like earth science and earth activism.
1: What do you see kind of for yourself at this current moment?
3: Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if I think of it as something that's changing in my experience, but something that's coming into sharper relief. it's like gradually becoming more clear, you know? (laughs) So, but I would say the vision as it stands now is one of just exactly what we're doing right now, but expanded huge. Like to have it be to the point where Hilla has succeeded and I've succeeded to such a degree that not only are we like household names from a perspective of like personal goals of notoriety and audience building, not only that but we are just like, you know, several among many who are now a commonplace of like people who fully teach fully entertain and the two are just one thing, Mm. one thing and for somebody to be like, oh, I'm one of those is a commonplace thing to say and reciprocally for somebody to say like oh, where'd you learn about, you know, the fundamentals of process philosophy and how that affects ecological activism? Oh, I took it in college because I think the institutions are going to continue to die they're already, every institution that we know of is being destroyed by the liberation of information for better and worse and pretty soon we're going to figure out that the people who cut class are advancing farther and faster and so I want to get to a point where it's like, we have not only gotten to the point where we have a large audience for our own sakes, for our own ideas and the sake of their transmission, but we have helped carve out a space along with others where it's like, this is how we do it now. And in doing that, we've like really returned oh to something. Yeah, That's I agree. Man. I'm also curious, what are some
1: of the tools that you find most useful? The places that you get information and inspiration? Are there people... We often ask, who are you looking up to at this current
0: moment? So... I have a lot of inspiration that comes from the Clean Bushwick Initiative, and Nicole DeSantis, who hosts these cleanups in Bushwick all the time, or like Anna Sachs, who's the trash walker. She also really inspires me because she shows a lot of the waste that happens in New York and what is being thrown out. Just people who are doing environmental activism in New York, the composters like Dior Noel, who is the feature on Compost, our song. These people are huge inspirations to me because they are literally in the space here in New York City, greening the city. I feel like my mission is to uplift them and create the soundtrack for their
3: work. That's a good list. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. we have benefited a lot from collaborating by a guy named Baba Brinkman, who is a science rapper, educated, kind of has pioneered the synthesis that we're doing. And we, you know, have gotten to know him and started working with him. And, like, he continues to be an inspiration and a help. Mm -hmm. This is just on my mind because I actually, I don't know if you know her, but this Maria Parker, or she goes by Link with Franca. She's a rapper and politician in Atlanta, and her songs are so, so dope. There's, like, the wordplay, the production, everything, and she's, like, literally just, just, you know, in the, in the thick of it with, like, Mm. politics there, and, like, her songs about supporting workers' unions and stuff, like, very, very tangible, but also just, like, extraordinarily listenable, and it's just, like, this is going on everywhere, you know? That's
0: so cool. Oh,
3: my word, you know? And it's, like, that, that excites me. We like asking, is there a person that you have not given thanks to that you think might be a good time today to give wow. thanks to them? Wow. Yeah, giving thanks. I was reflecting the other day on certain teachers I've had, which I think when this question has been asked of me, I think I've usually said my mom, who matters a lot to me, or certain people have been intellectually influential on me. But And this, I guess teachers fall into that category as well. But yeah, three. My, my teacher when I was at the end of my elementary school years, Zan peterson Moens, Mrs. P.M., Mm -hmm. And Jamie Stockton, one of my sophomore English teachers, and Justin Fox Bailey, both of whom the latter were both awesome teachers, but they also did something very important that I've been reflecting on a lot, which is that they let me not do the work because I did not do the work. I was doing other stuff. I was smoking pot and I was running around having adventures and I was making songs and poems. And they were like, okay, well, let me see the songs and poems. And they're like, okay, mm. they passed me. You know what I mean? They're like, this Hell guy's yeah. doing something. Oh. Now I have a doctorate in top people and stuff like that. You can get anywhere you want to get if you care about stuff. But that requires people along the way who are like, you actually care for real. Yeah. Like, you're not going through any kind of motions. And that I'm have very grateful for. And I was thinking about that. And I was like, oh, I should make sure I'm doing that in life. Like, whenever I have power. It's looking at, like, what is the person really about? Are they really about something? Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, thinking about teachers reminds me of my... One of my film school teachers, Nick Tannis, I did a film class with him where we were actually like shooting film, like 16 millimeter film and cutting it on a, a back, like actual like with scissors and tape and like putting it back together. And I made one of like my, my first silly comedy videos in that class called Penis Envy and it's a good, I dress it's a up. Good movie. Yeah, I just I dress up as a dude, I have a mustache, and I talk about all I wish I would I wish I had a penis because then I'd have all these privileges. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> I like presented this in class and he was such a positive teacher and force. and he loved it so much and it really empowered me, like make films and kind of like be wacky and silly and his class was so great.
2: Yo, do y'all have is there like any favorite raps? That you have handy that you could like throw down right now? Oh wow! Ooh. Do you two beatbox? Do you, do you, I wait, wait, do you're a drummer? Guess. Oh yeah, yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah. Holy do you really want shit. me to beatbox? Yeah, I'll scratch. Do.
3: Be you want to well. do You okay. want to go back and forth and wow. forth? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Do a freestyle.
0: All right. Yeah. Yo, we're at the podcast. I brought my cup. We're chilling, recording. Yo, leave looking up. Leave looking up. Look up at the sky. Ask why be a philosopher. Don't
3: die. Don't sigh, just be happy you're here. We be rocking out the podcast with Neil in the mirror, and we're feeling no fear. We be bringing it full throttle, we be flowing like a bottle. Got Nate and Hilla on the bottle.
0: Got Nate and Hilla on the bottle, full throttle all day. Yeah, we're trying to see a new way. Pave. The way to sustainability. I'm feeling good in my home city. <laughs> home
3: city with the words and flows. They're like, yo, those salata rappers are so verbose. And they're so ecologic, logic out of rocket. We'll be going off the top with the bars on topic.
0: On topic and all the vegetables, vegetating and growing a garden very full of trees and plants and berries and shrubs. And sometimes I don't know what to say, so I shrug.
3: I shrug, <laughs> but it's still good stuff. We're coming off the top. That's why we're looking up. About uh-huh. to leave looking up. Coming out the door. It be Hilla the Killer and, and Nathan, Nathan Dufour. Dufour. Hey. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: well, that just made my day. Yes. Yes. And I think, oh thank you so much for that. No, oh. nothing else to say here. <laughs> thank you guys so much for thank joining you so us. Much. Thank you. And there's that music. It is, yes. Oh, yes. yes. take us in a way. Follow Nate and Hilla on all social channels at Hilla the HillaTheKilla and Nathanology underscore. Leave Looking Up is hosted by myself, Neil Ludevic and my co-host, Amir Jandali, and produced by our small but mighty team at Moon 31, a company dedicated to creating platforms for meaningful conversations that tackle the important issues of today. For folks that love what they're hearing today and want to hear and see more, we have the complete uncut and raw episodes in video form available online on our fan page via Patreon
2: at com/fans. There you can support what we're creating. Here's sound bites that didn't make it to the final cut. Gain wisdom from our guests, score merch, be the first to access our content, and more. Also, we'd like to take a second to thank you for joining us today. So if you haven't already, please be sure to leave a rating and review of the podcast in your app of choice. We also recommend
1: following us on social media at Leave Looking Up on all social channels or subscribing to our mailing list for special content, news and first dibs on the episodes via our website at leavelookingup.com. This episode was created through the combined efforts of myself as executive producer and our lead producer, Lushik Lotus Lee. The Moon 31 team also includes designer Andrea Kang, Glass Slipper Media, and engineer Justin Jet Carter. An extra special thanks to engineer TJ Dumser, who mixed and mastered this episode. Original theme music by Brady Watt and background music provided from Blue Dot Sessions.